There's a lot to unpack from that Robert Mueller interview we did on episode 420 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Now, what I want to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast is get a different perspective on the game that was shown at Houston Expo. We heard from Derek, but Derek's, you know, he's a little bit of a newbie player. He'll admit that. Uh, I had someone who also attended the show. His name was Travis, and he's the Oklahoma City champion. I invited him on to give his feedback on the game because I saw on Pinside, uh, you know, that sewer website we know as Pinside, I saw that he left a lot of great feedback on what the gameplay was like and what the experience was like when he played Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland from John Papaduke in Deep Root. So here's what I want to do before I air this interview, which I think you're really going to enjoy because we don't hold back. I'm not a shill for any manufacturer, but I want to just level set a little a little bit right now. And I want to say that the world has waited a long time to see what Deep Root was working on. And we were shown a prototype. And the more I look at it, and the more I, I, I sort of stare at what was revealed and watch videos, you know, the more I'm sort of my shoulders shrug a little bit and and I and I don't know what direction this game is going to go in as it heads to launch. Now, I'll say this. I do want them to come out with the best package possible 6 months from now uh, when they reveal this thing in March. And I think there's plenty of time to make some alterations to the game to add some of that magic into the game. The thing that keeps looming over all of my thoughts is very simple. John Papaduke made some of the greatest flowing games of all time with some of the most magical mechanisms of all time. Now, he's had many, many years, many years to develop things that would wow us the way the things did back in the day. And I just haven't seen any new mechanisms from John materialize into anything even remotely as amazing as what came before. And it just begs the question, and it's a question I think you should ask, it's a question I've been asking, it's a question I bet Robert Mueller's been asking, is, is it worth it? Like, is John Papaduke worth all of this effort, all of these second chances, if he can't deliver on the promise of pinball magic? And that's all it comes down to for me. And if he, and and part of me, and you'll hear in this interview, I just have this, this gut feeling that the engineers at Bally Williams are the ones who propped him up and the people surrounding him are the ones who created the stuff that we fell in love with and left to his own accord for many, many years. He's yet to develop anything that even comes remotely close to what we've seen in his previous games. Now, that being said, I've heard feedback from the show that Roz is a lot of fun, that people enjoy flipping it, that it's a game that people would buy, um, that it's a game that has a lot of potential. And maybe this game is and will be the sum of its parts, right? I mean, you look at a game like TNA, it's a lot of fun. There's no killer mechanism in that game. There are many games out there that have far less than Raza and yet are considered to be great games that people love to play. So the potential is there. And what we don't know is what the final package will be. We don't know how the code will dance with the mechanisms. We don't know the light show. And Travis and I talk all about that. And we land in a place where we do think there's a little bit of a conflict of interest in how this game has been developed a little bit. Now, here's the thing about feedback. And here's the reason why I don't think Pinside is this terrible place. 
Are there some terrible people on Penn's side? Absolutely. Is it the same 30 to 50 people that hijack most of these sort of speculative, dramatized threads like Deep Root Threat? Absolutely. Did, should Pinside have purged some of the people that do nothing more than just stir the pot all day long? Possibly. Possibly. But again, I'm, I don't like to censor anyone. I don't think anyone should be banned from sharing their opinion about pinball machines. But the thing is this. Feedback is critical. And feedback from Pinside has been very constructive. Now, the problem is if you're Robert and you're Deep Root, you have to weed through a mountain of garbage and junk to get to that constructive feedback. So I wish there was a way to share the constructive feedback without having to plow through the garbage. And there is a lot of garbage on there and you know it. And a lot of negativity, a lot of name calling, a lot of, a lot of just, just behavior that wouldn't exist in the real world if people were not talking through the internet. I mean, I see people insulting me, saying that I, I I didn't ask tough questions, I didn't follow up, that my interview with Robert was a total fail. And I invite any of those gentlemen to pick up a microphone and do their own podcast and actually talk to a human being like Robert. And, and you also need to be respectful to the person you're interviewing, right? He doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe you anything. Remember that. Remember that. I know that he takes very strident punches at the industry and at competitors. But who out there amongst you, who out there isn't excited by the proposition of a play field that won't dimple, right? I mean, maybe he's onto something. Maybe we have been be, we have been sold inferior goods for a really long time. And even just that innovation alone might be enough to make people consider the value that he's bringing to pinball. I mean, think about all the cliffies you have to buy. Think about all the playfield protectors, all the things people do, the measures people go to to try and protect these games that are pretty much falling apart the second they open them up when it comes to playfields. And, and, and think about this. Remember this. Remember when Steve Ritchie went to bat and said that, that, that these moon crater dimples are the normal thing in pinball? Remember the, the king of pinball went and told everybody that was how it always has been. But you know it's not. You know that's not the case. I would not attack the community. I would not attack Pinside. I would not attack the other manufacturers. For some reason, Robert likes to do that. He likes to go on the attack, and he, maybe that's what drives him and what motivates him. It's his company. He can do what he wants. I don't think it's the right approach because I believe that everyone is a potential customer of his. Everybody. And when you're making a game like a J-pop game, especially... The enthusiast pinball players are going to be the number one customers, and those people live on Pinside, like it or not. Yes, there are other avenues and channels in which you can find those individuals, but you will never find them uh, concentrated as well as you will on Pinside. So I think he should he should rethink that approach. I don't think he was calling Zombie Yeti a hack in terms of his skill sets. I think what he was saying is the artwork on those games was a hack job. And, and but what he means by that is a lot of different things were just like thrown together. And he's kind of right. If you look at it, you got Godzilla, Robbie the Robot. I don't, I don't think he was saying anything poorly about the skill set of Zombie Yeti. But it comes across that way. It comes across that way. So right now we're going to do this interview with Travis. And, and then we're going to stop. I know some of you are like, we need to stop covering Deep Root. I will stop covering Deep Root. It's just this is the news right now. 
and I want to look at this thing from as many angles as I can, but there's not going to be much more news until we see what happens in March, okay? So let's air it, and before I do that, I want to tell you what I think is going to happen next in pinball. I think the next game from Stern Pinball is going to be is going to be Led Zeppelin. It's not going to be the Brian Eddy, like Stranger Things, blow your socks off game. I believe that the next game coming will be the Quicksilver Led Zeppelin game. I've heard from a few people that said that they think Stern's next release is a little bit of a head-scratcher. And, and the one after that is going to be the one that everyone is going to get excited about. Now, it's kind of it kind of sucks if it is Quicksilver Led Zeppelin. If they did that again, a la Beatles treatment, I just don't understand why. And I think Beatles, if you look at it, how many distributors are still sitting on Beatles inventory? Remember, they didn't make many Beatles at all, but they sure as hell aren't flying off the shelf. And a year later, a year later, there are tons of Beatles, Platinums, and Diamonds still available, especially considering how few of them they made. They're not selling. They're not selling at all. Beatles was the biggest price joke ever, even more than Elvira. Even more, even more so. Um, so look, I think all of us, all of us do want more value. We want to get more for what we pay for. But there's a lot of amazing games out there. And I think that's the, that's the thing, you know, even when I was talking to Robert, it's like, I think he's, he's so focused on his thing, but the industry has advanced and matured around him. They have. There's a lot of really good games out there. There's a lot of games that you're enjoying right now. There's a lot of new inbox games that are phenomenal that you can go get with no hassle, no drama, no fear of support, and you can go get them today, right? And so I, I do think that Competition is important. It will make everything better in this hobby. It will give us more for the money, okay? And that's a good thing. So should we root for Deep Root or should we not root for Deep Root? It's up to you. It's up to you. Some people might hate J-pop. Some people might love J-pop. I think that the bar that they raised with their words has yet to be met with the game that they showed. But the game that they showed is not the final package. We have no idea what the entire Deep Root package will include. We have no idea what the final pricing will be. So that is all to come. All right. I want to thank all of you who listen to Canada's Pinball Podcast on a weekly basis. I hope you enjoy the show. I enjoy doing this show for you. Uh, and, you know, the twippy voting will open sometime soon. I think it's like Jan 1. We're not even going to talk about that. It's so late. It's so late. But I want to give you guys the best possible episodes as we head towards that. And I always want to give you guys the best episodes and the most entertaining episodes. There's so many pinball podcasts out there right now. So many of them. Uh, so I'm thankful that you choose to tune into this one for your pinball news and discussion. Everybody, enjoy Travis and my take on Raza Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. Have a great weekend, everybody. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our coverage of Raza continues this week with some feedback from someone who's actually really good at pinball, Travis Murray. Did I get your name right, Travis? Yeah, I got that right. But I, I don't know if it's going to qualify really good at pinball, though, but uh, I try. I give it my best. Well, you have to understand, the other feedback we got was from our friend Derek, who simply loves any game that flips for the most part. Uh, and so he, he, you're more, though, of, of, I would say, 
you play in tournaments. You're an experienced player. Uh, give us a little bit of your credentials, Travis, in, in terms of your, your pinball skill set. Yeah, sure. No problem. So basically, I won the uh, Oklahoma State Championship this year and ended up playing at Nationals out in Vegas and took uh, 12th overall there, got eliminated in the third round by uh, Nick Mueller, who ended up placing second overall. And, you know, I've been traveling around a little bit this year, playing on different Stern Circuit events. And I've been holding my own fairly, you know, fairly decent, but still trying to break through with something a little bit bigger because, I mean, there's some awfully, 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 awfully good players out there. Right. And you're there now. Where are you at right now? Where are, you, where are we talking from for you? Uh, I'm in the parking lot right now at Free Play Florida, waiting on the uh, next Stern event that will happen here in just a couple of days on oh. Friday. Okay. Now, yep. y- you were down in Houston for the Houston Expo, and you got a chance to play Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland, correct? I did. I did. All right. Let's talk about that. And then I also want to talk about you've probably played most of the machines that are, are out currently. I want to get your feedback on what you think is like a really great shooting pin. But in terms of Razo, walk us through what it was like jumping on that machine and experiencing it for the first time. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit I was really excited about the pen. Um, I pretty much just drank the Kool-Aid that Robert's been pouring all of us for the past year or so. And I was really, really excited about it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, with his claims and with the confidence and all that. I've got absolutely nothing wrong with that. So I was super excited to go play it. And, you know, it was just the pen looks pretty, obviously. And when I was going to play it, I knew that I was playing a prototype. I kept that in mind. So I wasn't concerned about the code at all or anything like that. I assumed it was going to be primitive at best. And that's as much as Bowden, you know, was telling us that, hey, this is in in its infancy. So that was totally expected. Um, I knew the artwork, obviously, and everything wasn't going to be final. But, you know, the pen still looks decent. So all I was looking at is how is this play field design going to play? That's all I was concerned about. And, uh, you know, ultimately there's, there's some decent shots on there, but after about 10 minutes or so on it, there's also some cause for alarm as well. Okay. So Um, walk walk us through, let's, let's start with what's working in the game and then let's go into what's not working so much for you. Absolutely. So there are positives to this. I mean, the, the zombie shot overall up, up top, that's a fun shot to hit with the, uh, the roving target. I enjoyed that. The the orbits, you know, they hit well. They do what they're supposed to do. But I pretty much, I guess after that, it has me scratching my head. Like, I'm really trying to find the positive out of this. Because the last thing I want to do is just crap all over a pen. Because I respect that, obviously, it's been designed. There's blood, sweat, and tears in it. People are working hard to produce pinball. And at the end of the day, I want great pinball to come out. Right. Now, let's talk about the, the, the shot straight up the middle, the, the Ned shot. And I, I don't think he's a zombie. I think he's an alien, but he's some, yeah, he, he's <laughs> something a, he's like an outer-worldly creature. That thing's moving back and forth. Is that is that a difficult shot to hit straight up the middle? No, it, it's not. It, really, what it comes down to is just trapping up on your right side, timing it, and just backhanding it okay. in all and, reality. And that... Mm-hmm. You hit that, and it starts to light the, the zombie letters, correct, to get to multiball? Right, right, which leads to multiball. But there's also rollovers up top that you're going over also, and there's also a, um, a bank target up there as well. 
that you're that the ball's going to ricochet around and hit at times. Okay. John loves putting targets in weird places that kind of catch a ball in a random motion versus a, a skill shot. Yeah, My, I would agree to that. That's I mean, that's pretty much exactly how it was. Right. Okay. So all right, so a couple satisfying shots. What 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 is the cause for alarm in your opinion? Well, Okay, so here, here's my thing with the pin. When you step up to a pin and you're trying to find your primary shots, you want to find shots that are very satisfying to hit, right? And in my opinion, and this is my opinion only, you know, other people are going to play the games the way they love to play it. If I'm going to hit a satisfying shot, I would love for that shot to be the end of a sequence. I would lo- that's why I love flow. I love seeing combos. And to me, that's satisfying, And you want to step up to a pin and you want to see that one big shot that catches your eyes. And with this pin, I just, I don't see the knockout punch. What I feel like I see is, is I feel like I see a bunch of jabs out there. You you know what I mean? It's just, it just feels like that there's just something missing to it. And I don't, I don't know if that's a result of, Hey, you don't see everything on there just yet. Or if that's really just the result of the layout. What, in in your opinion, uh, Travis, what, for the listener of the show, can you give it an example or two of a game in which it has that knockout thing to shoot for that is rewarding and satisfying? You know, for me, if you look at just we'll just take modern games, for instance, because I think that's what we got to compare this to with yep. what's on the market today. Yep. And so, you know, to me, there's like this may go against the grain a lot, but for me, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. And one of the reasons why I love it is, one, you do have your bash toy. You have group up front, right? Mm -hmm. But that's a central shot that you're going to have to hit a combo to cash in a large jackpot or a large cherry bomb jackpot. Like, for me, that's satisfying. You're going to go left ramp, right ramp, and then middle shot. You know, or different, different shots like that. And for me, that's where I find the satisfaction in pinball. Something like that to me. Or even if you go old school... You know, say attack from Mars. That's a satisfying shot when you knock out a saucer. Right. You know, there's your bells and whistles. That's your knockout punch right there. I, I would you, also, yeah, and I would add to the list, and this is the, the thing we brought up on a few. I say, I always say we like I have two two people living inside my head. Maybe I do. <laughs> um, even in John's older games, you had the Theater of Magic trunk, which was right. hyper satisfying. In Toten. You have the genie lamp and the genie himself that you bash that leads to the disappearing magnet, which is right there. Like it's, you can't miss it. And then the ringmaster, which is another one of the greatest toys in the history of pinball, in Circus Voltaire. And 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 I I do agree with that assessment that it, you know, I think when we talked to Robert and I think the way they're looking at this game is that the magic is in the sum of all of these parts. But I think what you're saying, Travis, is. Well, it's that might they might be going for that, but if it's missing the big wow thing in it, then it doesn't add up. Right. And I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that that could possibly be just a result of it being a prototype, of it not having the code already in. You know, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt that maybe having a light show will complete that package. But right now, like this feels more like you got a potential Floyd Mayweather fight that's going to go the distance because you're doing a grinding game. Then you have like the first round knock- knockout by Mike Tyson. So that's it. That's the way it feels. Yeah, and it's a really interesting way to look at it because 
a mechanism is a static thing. Maybe it moves, but it's also connected to the software. And if the software is very early on, what you're saying is interesting because I don't think anyone's brought this up. There might be an ability. Do you think there's an ability maybe for the code and the stuff surrounding the physical mechs to be way more engaging and animated and colorful that it could bring this thing up a level? Because right now it's feeling maybe a little sterile the way it is. Right. And absolutely. And I'm willing to take that viewpoint as well, you know, and not just necessarily think that this is just an all out dud because I don't feel like playing it. It doesn't feel like a dud. It still has causes for alarm. But I feel like if Bowden does what he's capable of doing, it could very well turn out to be, you know, a decent first offering from uh, from Deep Root. But at the same time, I feel like, too, it's there's so much that's been talked about. You know, for the the five days of deep root, all that, and I feel like it led a lot of us to have certain expectations seeing this pen. And the problem is, is that I even went into playing this with high expectations, but I knew the possibility that something like this could be happening just because of unfinished code, you know, unfinished lighting, whatever it could be. But at the end of the day, you know, I really do believe that there is the potential for something to be pulled out of it. But it's it's an odd situation, though. I mean, it's just like what happened with Batman 66 or even Guardians itself or even uh, Walking Dead a few years ago. You know, these games get released so early without the code properly in it that you're just waiting to see what could be. Yeah. But the difference was is those layouts were fun, though. And I'm not sure yet if this layout is fun. Like, I feel like I feel like I don't have the complete package yet to where I can really make the full assessment. But as of right now, if I'm just playing this as a Whitewood and thinking of nothing else, it just it just doesn't feel fun at right. this point in time. Right. A lot of a lot has been said about that ramp. And it's controversial, to say the least, that it's it can't be fully hit. You can't go all the way to the top if you're cradling the ball that you sort of need some momentum to, you know, sort of slingshot the ball up it. Were you able to hit it? What was it like shooting that thing? Well, it was, uh, it was kind of like ramming my head into a door over and over again, (laughs) to be honest with you. It, uh, you know, okay. So here's my major qualm with it. Uh, who was on here the other day? Derek, was that his name? Derek. Yes. So, yes. So like he was mentioning the other day, you know, he felt like he had what, like a 40% success rate or something like that. Mm -hmm. So let's just quantify that. That means 60% of the time we're going to hit a primary shot in the game and it's not going to be able to be completed. Right. So I don't, for me, I don't know how to extract fun out of that. Right. And And it it reminds me of the dead, the, the Deadpool Katana shot, right? Where, it, unless right. it's and, dialed in perfectly, it's 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 frustrating versus fun, and it and it doesn't it, it almost doesn't even feel rewarding. It's more like relief when it finally yeah, does what it's supposed to do. That is exactly what it is. As soon as I hit it, I I could only hit it from the fly. As soon as I did, I was like, huh, okay, well, that's what it does. And and it goes a- to the that, top, and then what? It drops down to the right return. Right, and. From looking at it, so I'm not sure if it's complete or not. Something tells me that maybe there's supposed to be a diverter up there. Maybe I just wasn't seeing it. But from the looks of it is that it had a drop-off that led to the right uh, the right flipper, right? But it looked like you could actually go over that, and that would have led back to the left. 
is from what it appeared, but there was such a glare on the glass, it was kind of hard to tell. Right. But well, that ramp, though, what, I mean, here's my main concern with the ramp. And, you know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought Robert had said that this game is made to not be a flowing game, correct? Correct. So it's made to be to where you have to play in control, which is perfectly fine. If you're playing advanced pinball, ideally, unless you're like an Andre Masenkoff or you're you're somebody crazy, you know, that's really, really great with flipper skills. You're not going to play on the fly too often. There's times that you can. There's times that you can't. This game isn't designed for that. So my issue is if you're supposed to play in control, give me a ramp in which when I'm playing under control, I get rewarded for doing so. Like there's nothing rewarding about hitting a ramp square and then just watching it just go straight up, you know, all the way up there and just die halfway. The momentum just can't carry it. Right. And when it when it goes up halfway and I'm just trying to think about the videos, it doesn't it just like fall mm-hmm. out onto the play field. Yeah, it falls out. And uh, but obviously it's been created to do that. The The ramp was made with this right. in mind because it slows what it down happens, a little bit. it slows it down and then it'll drop off. But the idea is, is that that I mean, that's not all that happens. As soon as it drops off. The idea is, is that you have to nudge the ball back into the stand-up targets right there because that's where your playfield multipliers are. So you got your 3x, 6x, 9x up there. And so that's, I mean, that's an interesting part of it. But at the same time, I don't want to have to rely on a ramp, half ramping or basically rejecting me in order for me to get it to another part of the playfield just to nudge the ball into stand-up targets. Right. How do you get to the left side? Did anyone do that? The left return? So I'm pretty sure you have to basically just hit the ramp hard enough to where it goes over the hole that drops it to the right return. That's what it appeared. Okay. But I didn't, I didn't see anybody get it back to the left. Okay. Like I tried and tried and I, I was probably, I ended up, I think we kept count over 44 from a trap. So needless to say, if I run into this game in the wild and it still stays like that, I'm not hitting the ramp from a trap anymore i'm just not, i'm not even gonna try it. it did did you have a chance to go between both <laughs> prototypes because i think robert said one ramp was harder than the other to hit based upon where they had the flipper strength yeah and and i did and you know it the one well one of them did play a little bit easier in terms of being able to get up the ramp but still couldn't do it from a trap still had to do it from on the fly and the only way to really do that you basically got two ways on either pin that you're going to get up that ramp. You're either going to hit a right orbit and then you're going to hit it on the fly from your left flipper, or you're going to have to rely on any type of momentum coming down to that left flipper, whether it's an in lane or, you know, what have you. But ideally the only way that you're really going to hit that ramp is by hitting a nice clean right orbit shot and for it to come all the way back around. Right. You just get the timing, right? That's, that's really all it is. You know, it's, it seems like it's just too steep or they, because here's the problem with, when you make a ramp like that. And if you crank up the flipper power to the, to the point where you would need it to hit that ramp consistently, you'd, you'd probably break everything else on the game. Yeah, absolutely. There was a few times that we did hit the ramp on the fly and the ball just airballed off, off the, uh, the circle or whatever you want to call it. Uh. Yeah, because like none of, none of John's other ramps are that steep. You know, he something about when he got to Zidware and 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 didn't have the people around him like at Bally Williams, he he, it's it's weird because like he just kind of tried to keep pushing it and pushing it, 
But if you look at Tales of the Arabian Nights, like, yeah, there's a lot going on and you need momentum to get around the, the swirly ramp by the, by the genie. But it's not that steep. Right. And, you know, it's a risk. It is a risk. And you're right with that ramp. They're going to have to rely on a lot of operators if they want to put this, you know, obviously on location. You're going to have to rely on the pin being set up correctly. Otherwise, you're going to have the only ramp in the game basically end up being non-existent. And then it doesn't matter how well you code a game. If you can't hit the only ramp in the game, it's you're in trouble. Yeah, and you bring up a good point because if you need to hit that ramp and get to the top to get through any of the modes and it's that hard, I mean... You're, you're going to uns- turn off a lot of people. Yeah, yeah you're going to... How unsatisfying yeah. will that ultimately become? Now, I'm curious because that has been the feedback. And it seems like if you get that kind of feedback from people at a show that you would go back to the drawing board and redo this ramp to make it more satisfying. But it doesn't sound like that's what they're taking away. They, we heard from Robert that you know John is saying this ramp was designed to be tough and designed to only go up to the top 20 to 50% of the time. What you're saying yeah. is, what do you do? Like, does that sound like a well, cop-out to you? You know, here's my thing with it. If that's their intention, then I ask who's their audience that they're trying to sell this pin to. Because if you're going to, let's say it's seven or eight thousand dollars, right? Who's going to want to pay seven or eight thousand dollars for a ramp that they can't complete if that's how they're going to leave it? Right. I mean, who who really wants to do something like that? And then on location, who's going to want to feed quarters into a pinball machine in which the ramp's not accessible? It's just, it's just not. So and, the, the, that is like. To me, that is the big question is who is the target for this game? Because it definitely feels like this is a game for J-pop fanatics. But J-pop fanatics who love J-pop's games have never experienced a J-pop game that had a ramp that they couldn't hit. So that right away, you're like, that's going to not be exciting to them. Uh, and then to your point, it's not a flow game. You need to trap to have skill to hit the shots, which is fine. But then you can't trap and hit the shots. So like... Uh, on no. some level, it's it's a self-defeating prophecy with this game because you have to pick one or the other. If you're going to make it a trap game, everything needs to be achievable with that kind exactly. of approach. Exactly, exactly. Because if it's not, then then what are we doing? Are we just going to backhand you know, a drop target over and over again? Or are we just going to hit that little doozy shot that just spins around? I mean, it, are we just going to hit the target in the back all day long? You know, it's and that's the only problem that if you're going to have a non-flowing game, you got to make sure that if you're creating a layout in a game in which precision is key, then precision should be awarded. If you're not going to award that, then that's going to end up just being a frustrating player at the end of the day. It it just it reminds me it's sometimes I just feel like the aesthetic beauty of what John drops onto a game seems more important than the practical use of that thing in a game and whether or not it's actually effective in a pinball experience it's just it just looks really cool i mean that ramp looks awesome but then in, in practical experience with it it's it feels like it might be coming up short so we'll see what they do travis because i know we talked a lot about the ramp and they have six months and they have this feedback i know they listen to the show and we're not saying this be- and i think you know to your point travis we're just trying and i think i know you're trying to give them feedback that is trying to help make the game better like none of this is trying to say like this is this game 
it's a prototype and you should listen to feedback when your game is in prototype stage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, me as a, as a pinball player, I want deep root to be successful. Like I want them to come out and hit home runs. Cause what happens if they hit home runs? That means Stern, Jersey Jack, American spooky, whoever else they have to up their game. You know, that's what I would love as a consumer. Like I'm not one of these, I I'm not a fanboy of, of any company manufacturer, whatever. I'm a fan of pinball at the end of the day. And I want them to be successful because obviously, you know, there's people's jobs on the line that, you know, they rely on this company in order to put food on the table. Like I want them all to be successful. Right. But to me, it's like, I'm, I'm just floored if they really have 21 titles coming out and they have, you know, all these different designers at their disposal. I'm just, I'm confused as a consumer as to why this is what they're going to offer up front as a very first offering. Yeah. Yeah, It it just, it just feels like a miss early on. Like I I think there's a market for it. Cause like you said, for J for people that love J pop designs, there's a market for it, but how many are you actually going to sell? How many of these are you actually going to sell to consumers? Yeah. I, I kind of feel like what they needed to do was launch with a licensed theme that had a lot of magic and innovation in it, you know, a la Wizard of Oz, right? A la Big Lebowski, right? They needed something that immediately showed the best of what they're capable of. And I would have had the J-pop pin alongside that because J-pop is J-pop is J-pop, right? It's like he's his own brand. He's his own style of pinball. You know what you're getting yourself into, it sounds like these are going to be more high-end, uh, expensive titles. It's a, it's a, you know, J-pop games always look like a, a playable work of art. I always say more than a pinball machine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, you know, it's. I guess the question becomes: Is will consumers and will the hobby and the community, will they have patience, right, to wait? Because I don't think I think you're right. I don't think Deep Root can come out and say. Here you go, but this isn't this isn't everything. This isn't all the innovation you're going to see. There's going to be a whole lot, whole lot more coming with these, you know, 15 other titles or 21 other titles. But you really only get one album, you know, to to win a fan base over when you're new to the world. But I don't know. I mean, we've seen right. other companies. Oh, I mean, American Pinball hasn't had a hit, but they didn't talk so much smack. I think that's the thing that no. has hurt Deep Root. If without the talk. If they were more humble, I think everyone looks at this stuff even with a little bit more patience. Well, it's just it's just the first game, and they've you know they've unraveled some of J-pop's madness, and there's a lot more coming, and this is a great first start. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine? Imagine if uh, Charlie from Spooky was this brash early on, like this brash, and then he puts out what was it, Haunted House or Haunted, what most, was that? America's game? Most Haunted. <laughs> yeah, that game. Imagine that. Right. No, like absolutely. That, that would that would have been bad, and you know maybe maybe that could be what it be, what it is too is that when you have somebody that's that's brash about their product, and I've got nothing wrong with that. If you're going to talk the talk, that's fine, but you got to walk the walk because at the end of the day, you know ideas they're shit at the end of the day if they're just ideas. You got to have execution. You got to yeah. deliver. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's what it is. I mean the the other brash company. I mean look, Jersey Jack was brash when he launched his company but wizard of oz blew people away right barry was barry and yop were as brash as it they remind me of robert they were as brash as it gets and they were dropping f-bombs stern sucks all that (laughs) but they pulled the curtain off of the big lebowski 
And, and, and at that time, the Big Lebowski embarrassed what Stern had in the marketplace. Right. And, you know, nowadays when you look at it here, here's, here's what Stern has going for him. That deeper it has to go up against. Because obviously that's who, that's who I feel like outwardly, that's what it seems like deeper it wants to compete with. Inwardly, I would think that they want, by putting out so many titles, that they're competing with your American pinball and your spooky. That they're wanting to start getting, you know, the different parts of the market and start building from there. But if you're going to talk like that, you need to understand that you're putting pins up against the greatest player of all time. And who's somebody who's turning out to be one of the greatest designers of all time with Keith Elwin. You know, and if you put Iron Maiden and Jurassic Park up against Araza. And I feel like it's a fair assessment due to all the talking that's been going on. There's just there's no comparison. It's not even in the same ballpark right now. It's just not. And I'm talking strictly from a layout, not from a theme, so not from the lights. I'm talking from the layout. Here's the conclusion. And I agree with you what you just said. And here's the conclusion that I'm about to say on my own show. And I'm not going to edit this out. I think John Papaduke Jr. is overrated and out of ideas. And I, and I say that and, 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 and I say that because when I look at the game, I'm seeing carryover ideas from Magic Girl. I'm, I'm seeing stuff from Magic Girl that didn't really work, like that black spinning disc and the Magna save. And it's just he, he doesn't have the ability to make a game as great as he used to and but he has like these this arrogance and this overconfidence that he does. And then Keith Elwin, humble as they come, walks into a room and can beat anybody in pinball. Walks into Stern pinball with a low bomb, in a world in which everyone's complaining Stern can't do anything original with design. And what does he do? He's going to have back to back best game of the year. It doesn't yeah, doesn't brag actually, about this... it. Doesn't beat his chest. No, Just not at all. Just makes great games. Yeah. And I mean, to me, that's uh, that's exactly I think Deep Root could definitely benefit from somebody with his brain, because just like you said, I think with J-Pop's design right now, I feel like because his his heyday with his games were mid 90s. Right. And right now it's 2019. So I feel like right now we're just living J-Pop's greatest hits here in 2019. But how's that going to stack up to the new blood? That's in the game right now. But, but what kills me is they're not even his greatest hits. It's like <laughs> these aren't even close to the mechs and the wow factor that his older games had. And I've always said this. I was like, why doesn't John just put the theater of magic trunk in a game with the disappearing magnet, with the ringmaster, with, you know, the shooting star outlane saves. If he just put all of his best things ever right into right. one game and, and made it like the the world of J-pop and some crazy like theme, even if it was like the Raza theme, it would have worked. It would have worked, and people would have been like, "This is amazing. This is like the ultimate carnival ride of J-pop's imagination." Because uh, he reminds me of like a Willy Wonka designer. And when I say that, I think J-pop. I'm not even going to say he's like overrated. I just think he's out of ideas, and it leads me to believe one thing because I deal with creatives all day long in, in lines of work. When we hire creative, Travis, when, when someone gives me their resume and says, here's the work I've done before I joined your company, Chris, you know, I don't care what I mean, I'll hire you because of that work. But then when we give you assignments to impress clients today, those ideas better be as good as the ones you walked in the door with. And I'm here to tell everyone on this show, 
All of those great mechanisms that took place in the Bally Williams days. I Now when I look at John's games, when he's had the helm, I just don't think he had much to do with those kinds of engineering marvels we saw 25 years ago. Because he's had eight years, Travis, to make mechs that are going to blow us away. And it's still just a spinning black disc, yeah. rotating and ducks, it, and magma well, it, saves. And, yeah, and what's concerning about that as well is, is Robert just said on your show the other day that he's giving the designers basically, what, open season to create something in their vision, which is great. That's why I love to hear. I love to hear that these designers are able to be unleashed and create what they want. So, you know, it's curious to see that there's some things that just leave you wanting right. with this pen. Like I, like, I feel like there's certain things on here that that could benefit like the, I think it was called like the devil's dare shot. You know, I'm talking about the little ramp that it just briefly went up. You're getting, it comes underneath the ramp. Right. Right. So I was sitting there with a few other people and we were talking about that shot. If they just had a magnet around that area, like catch the ball, do something with the ball. Like to me, that would have been much more exciting or put an accelerator on the ramp. If that's possible, kind of like with the star Wars hyperloop, like help that bad boy get up top or, I don't even know if this is even a thing, but put like a drop target on the ramp to where you have to lock a ball up there. And then it's a mode to where it becomes a two ball, multi ball. Like, give me a reason that I'm going to hit that single ramp over and over again, besides just seeing it spin around and go halfway and halfway down. If, if like you, something, I anything. agree. I agree. And if you go look at the original Raza design back in Zidware's days, there is a big chunk of the play field that says 4D. And it's like, and then there's another big area that's like ray gun shot. And, and to me, it's like that's the kind of thing where John would then hand it off to his Bally Williams geniuses and they would go make something magical happen there. And I, I, yeah. just, I, I just get this sense that he's got the ideas. I, I, I think he's got the ideas. I just don't think he has the engineering ability. I think he's the kind of guy that goes to bed at night and it's like, because people forget, George Gomez was at Bally Williams when John Papaduke was there. All these talented guys were there, Pat Lawler. And, and the, those engineers were, were kind of like an imagination studio making mechanisms. And then the designers could probably pull stuff off the shelves and put those things into their games. Right. That's not exactly happening. right. I don't think that's happening now. And, and I think John is you know, has failed to show us one thing. So, but, but look, let's, let's not, let's also say, and I think you're right. And, and, and look, I just talked to Robert. They know they have to do something with the complete deep root package in six months to wow people. And I think they might be, you know, they're, they're going to have to take some of this feedback and I think they're gonna have to go see how they can create that within the game. Well, here's what's concerning with, to me with deep root. If they have, like we talked about earlier, if they have that many titles ready to go or talked about, they have playfields in design. Is this legitimately the best design that they have available to take out on day one? Like, is this is this the best they have to offer that they want to start out with? Yeah, I, I mean, because I, I, I want to say I just don't no. Like. I I just I, I think there's a relationship going on with John and Robert. And I know Robert is a big fan of John's and I kind of feel like, and we read this a little bit in his statement about if he could turn back time, right? The one thing he might have some regret over, I think it is getting into bed with J pop and all the Zidware issues. And I think 
this move is just step one in unpacking all of that baggage. Because remember, the, the first bit of communication we got from Deep Root was all of the legal speak about how they were going to handle the Zidware customers, right? Right. So he legally is bound to have to get them a game by a certain date. Now, they've already missed that date. It'll be a year after the original date, June 30th. It used to be 2019. It'll be 2020. But I think Robert is just trying to clear the air with those people. Now, but I agree, Travis, that but you know it's a marketing conundrum he's in because he's trying to clear the air but if he only has that title ready to go it's not the best representation of all the stuff they've been working on and it's going to like you know it's going to lower people's expectations and 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 not put deep root on the map the way he wanted it to day 1 no and that's exactly right and i think you know this is a unique situation too in which you have a lot of a lot of things in motion happening at one time and it all came to a head with Houston in terms of somebody being brash about their product, in terms of J-pop being J-pop, in terms of people's expectations being a certain way, and then people playing what is a prototype. That's the first, that's the first time anybody's seen a deep root pin, because that's what it is. And so, I don't know. I mean, if it were me, I would have I much preferred that they just held off for as long as possible. If anything, I would have brought in you know, the best players that they possibly could, have them sign, you know, an NDA or whatever and play the pen and give feedback from outside and go from there. Like do all your play testing in house and all that. And then that way they won't be in the spots of where you reveal something that might turn out to be underwhelming to consumers right off the bat. Right. Because whether it's a prototype or not, people are going to make their assumptions on a pen and people are going to come to, to their conclusions on the pen. People are going to have natural biases. So to me, I would rather see it come out with a knockout punch from day one. Yeah. That, that's what you, I would rather see. You know see. what I would have done? I agree What's with that? you. Here, here's, here's how I would have done this whole thing. John Papaduke's value is in his mystery and his curiosity and his weird approach to pinball. He is a great art director. He makes the most beautiful aesthetic games of all time. And that's my other concern is when I when they talk about art, I feel like why doesn't this game look as sexy as the Raza game that John was art directing and designing like seven years ago? That's, an, that's another story. But John Papaduke's games through Deep Root should be super expensive, super limited, and never, ever, ever be brought to a show, never be allowed to have everyone just flip on it. No way. This these games should have been always treated as like their collectors, like high end, super limited games. And off imagine this, Travis. You say we're only making two hundred and fifty Razas, they're fifteen thousand dollars each, and you have to be invited to buy it. You know what would happen? He'd sell every one, regardless of if you can get up the ramp. If they were beautiful, if they were gorgeous, if they, you know, but it has to be the full shebang, right? It has to oh, be yeah. the cabinet, the lighting, the sound, the coding, and only 250 people on planet Earth can have it. It's a unique, quirky J-pop experience, and you sell out, and you're on oh, to the next. The- absolutely. If I'm playing Monday morning quarterback on that, I'm, I'm keeping Raza under wraps, and I'm announcing our first release at TPF. Or wherever, right? And then I go ahead and I reveal Raza there, along with another pin. 
I do that at the same time. I guarantee Raza sells out that day without even without even putting out any information on it. That's how you galvanize Absolutely. people. Absolutely. That's what I would have done. I mean, look at look at and this is why like I I mean I know Robert, I know they listen to the show. Look at how Stern does it. If you make something that is limited that people want uh, and you make it sexy enough. You know, when Robert says like, you know, I don't want people to buy my games because of artwork, I start to like cringe a little because I'm like, you Robert, like that is one of the most that is one of the most important decisions or, or, or important elements of a game that leads people to a purchase decision. Don't don't run away from it. Embrace it. You know, Zombie Yeti, Christopher Franchi, they've sold thousands of games because of, of, of their beautiful games. Pe- these are works of art that people want to put in their homes. And John's games should be the ultimate works of art that are also pinball experiences you can play. And and if you look at Magic Girl, I mean, I owned one. I mean, it still, to this day, is the most sexy machine you could ever stand over. Uh, Alice in Wonderland is is probably Zombie Yeti's greatest art package. No, he's not a hack. He creates some of the greatest artwork we've ever seen. <laughs> Um, so I think I think it's going to be an interesting six months for them, Travis. I think they're going to go. I don't think they're going to change much, but I think they just need to change their strategy, and they can still be very successful and sell everyone if they get the number right and they get the package right of this game. Yeah, I mean it's it's not something that it, they can course correct easily. Yeah, I mean easily. You you complete the the full package, like you said, the art's on point, the sounds on point. You know, gameplay, I mean, here, here's the way it works. If a pen looks pretty, and even if the gameplay is sluggish, it's still going to sell. It I, still will. I would still own my Magic Girl. If, yep. if the code just worked on it. <laughs> it, sh- it didn't shoot the best. Like, not all the mechs worked, you know, that great. It, nowhere near as good as, like, a, a modern game that we enjoy. But it just looked so damn good. And was fun because like the music was 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 awesome, and it was just like it was just a unique experience. And I think they need to look at these J-pop games as high-end, unique experience games that are not quite reflective of what the overall Deep Root portfolio will be. But again, I think it's just to make those Zidware owners whole and to turn a page so that he can then use John down the road without those people screaming. I mean, that's really why this is happening, is so that he can have J-pop on his roster with a clean slate. This is a seven-year-old game, Raza. This isn't a new design from the ground up. Right, and I think, you know, playing it, I think it really is reflective that it is a seven-year-old design. Because, I mean, like, let's compare it to TNA, for instance, right? Two completely different pins, but TNA also the sound and the art package really gets you into it. I mean, it's a simple player, but it's punishing. You know, you have to hit targets right up front, right in front of you. The ball is going to come screaming back. The lock shot—if you got to hit that—it's going to be punishing if you miss it. it. Has a pop bumper right there. It's punishing. So my big concern with what this layout is right now—you don't get punished for missing shots. You don't. It, you you're trying to be precise with your shots, but even if you miss it, you you're not going to drain easy. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's just not. It it was not it was not draining at all. I mean, my wife played on it for a while, and she was a couple of drinks in, and she couldn't even drain the ball. It, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, it's it <laughs> needs to. It it's more about the 
visceral experience of playing a J-pop game versus approaching it like normal pinball. And if I were sitting in a marketing room with them right now, I would say, look, this is all good feedback. People, you know, we can, we can, we can make this a, one of the most sought-after pins and highly collectible pins of all time. Or we could try to make a lot of these and have it succeed on a pinball level and get slaughtered. And, and, and that would be my advice. And, and, I, and I mean that because I want them to succeed. And I think there's a lot coming down the pipeline at Deep Root. But I think a lot of how they handle this launch is going to indicate whether or not they listen to feedback. Um, because I don't think a lot's mechanically going to change. And that's okay, but you're not going to sell a thousand of these if it shoots like this. No. No, not at all. I mean, just like we talked about, you know, it's I know it didn't seem like Robert was too keen on as many flowy games as there is. But at the same time, we got to understand that the greatest pinball player in the world created Iron Maiden and Jurassic Park, both of which are games with incredible flow to it, both of which aren't exactly the easiest pins for a novice to play on. They're not, but they have a lot of combination shots. And that in itself as a pinball player, it's rewarding that that's rewarding to do something like that. And, you know, I, I think going forward with deeper that if they're going to have different, different styles of pins, they're going to have to accept that a pen with flow this day and age is needed. This is 2019. The majority of your players are going to want a pen that has flow to it. I mean, that's just a fact, especially on location. I yeah. mean, if you're going to put any pen on location, who's going to want to play something that just clunks? back and forth to you yeah it's it's even with my batman i mean it just it it it's it's flowish it it's got some flow when you dial it in and hit the you know you but you know the ramp to ramp shots are fun to hit the orbits are a little tight but it's it's a little clunky i won't lie it won't lie i mean when i hop on something like a willy wonka it makes me very envious of, of how sweet and buttery smooth the game can flow when it's really designed for flow oh yeah compared to pat lawler games i love Pat Lawler games. I mean, there's you could even put dialed in in there or Wonka. They just they play better overall. They just they just do. And you know, and we can chalk this up. I will say that you could just chalk this up to a preference. You know, my preference is is a game that will reward shot sequences. Like I want to hit a ramp, then I want to hit another ramp, then I want to hit a spinner, and then I want to get trapped up and then make my decision where I'm going to go from there. I don't want to hit just one shot. And then trap up, hit another shot, then trap up, and just keep doing that over and over again. It just it feels too much like chopping wood. And if I'm playing at home or if I'm playing on location, anything that's not a pinball tournament, I mean, the honest truth, I don't want to sit there and just trap up and chop wood all day long. For me, that's not fun. It just amazes me that we, I mean, we heard stories from back in the Bally Williams day about how hard John Papaduke was to work with. And we heard these from his... His peers, like Steve Ritchie and George Gomez and other people who were working with him at the time, you know, how he had to be removed from projects just to get them done and, and just would create spin and swirl. And it's amazing to me how many chances he's now had with so few games in his portfolio. Like, what is he, have five games? Something o like over that, yeah. 30 years? I mean, the last game being Star Wars Episode One, um, And it's just, I, I, at what point? At what point does Robert say, like, I mean, 
at the same time he's talking to John Papadou, Keith Elwin was available. I mean, it's like it's like yeah. this, it's like it's like the story of Tom Brady being drafted last in the NFL draft. I mean, these guys are there. Eric over oh, yeah. at Jersey Jack, Scott Denisi, people who just fundamentally I think have a good grasp on how to make a fun game that will sell in modern times. And look, I mean, John's got to wake up and they need to wake up and hear some of this feedback because I do think it's important. And the talent is there, but I just think it's a little out of control and it needs to be reeled in, 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 in into a package that works. Right. And so, I mean, ultimately, here's where pinballs move to. And I don't know if a lot of people are considering this, but the fact is there's a reason why, and we, we keep going back to it, there's a reason why Iron Maiden and Jurassic Park play as well as they do. Elwin was able to design these pins with the rule set in mind. Like, he pulled off double duty. He knew what each shot was intended to do. There was nobody that was having to come in afterwards and try to work with somebody's vision to mesh those two things together in terms of code and design. That's why it feels like everything that Elwin is able to do, that's why it, it moves so well together. Right. Because well, those two things come together. So, here, so here's, I, here's the other question, right? You have a guy hasn't had a hit pinball game in over 20 years, right? <laughs> Steve Bowden. Well, I mean, Steve Star Bowden, Wars episode one, you know. <laughs> right. Steve Bowden is loved by the community, but has Steve Bowden ever coded a game? Uh, not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. But, I mean, I will say he – he does know pinball, obviously. I, I, absolutely. I mean, his mind is always on pinball. But this, at the same time, I almost feel, you know, it's but I almost feel there's bad. pressure on him. Yeah, I, I almost feel kind of – he's got to figure out John and get in his head. And, and to your point, it's a lot harder when you're trying to – you know, when it's not cohesive, right? And I've always said this. Uh, the greatest pinball machines yep. of all time. They have a singular designer who understands all of it, and that designer guides the team he has of artists and coders and mechanical engineers. And when that all works together in harmony, right, as, as an orchestra, the games become classics, and we know Absolutely. which games those are, and you can just go down the list. Um, and it just feels like... When you try to do things in silos and salvage projects from seven years ago that had different artists and different, it ends up being Chinese democracy, the Frankenstein approach to what we <laughs> once loved. It just does. And yeah, you find out pretty quick that pinball is not easy when you're doing something like that. No, and you need to walk into it humbly and learn from those who came before you because you're going to experience the same hurdles and arrows and delays and frustrations and you know and Robert you know I'll say this like Robert goes back and forth and and I think he's he's definitely been humbled on some levels but he'll go back to being very strident on in, in on another level but he's going to go down that same challenging road that some of these companies you know look at Jersey Jack now he went from being as brash as it gets and he's humbled even though you know even though yep I think some of the playfield issues have made, made, him, made the old Jack come out and snap back at people who just want quality for what they pay for. But, you know, Gary Stern is as arrogant and, and I bet Gary Stern is more arrogant than Robert. But here's what he deserves that level of swagger at this point. Man's a survivor. Man, man carried pinball on his shoulders. 
Oh yeah. They're, I mean, they're the big dogs. You if you're earn the big it. dog, you can, yeah, you can act like a big dog when you're the big dog. Yeah. I wear, I, mean, I wear, the, I wear a Maverick jacket to work cause I earned it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the Twippy award-winning podcast too. So Two you years get to in be row, the big Travis. dog. Just remember, <laughs> vote, just remember Travis voting opens up, uh, January 1st people. So, uh, you know, I, I think I've got a good string of, of, of episodes uh, leading into that. Um, Travis, anything else we want to add? I mean, this has been a great conversation because I, I, I do. Let me ask you a couple other things about the game. So are there yeah, two no magnets in the game right now or just one? So there's a magnet save on the right, but there actually is a magnet up top by the Ferris wheel that I don't know how we were activating it, but it actually activated on the left orbit and the right orbit. And, it, and it, but I'm not. Did it freeze the ball or just? alter the ball's projection for us it it froze the ball once so from what we saw can you see the magnet is or is it under the play field yeah no you can see the magnet i got it on uh when i took a couple of pictures on it they're up on pin side where you can see it okay and then the so fa- i'm gonna assume i'm gonna assume that's a magnet i'm gonna feel like a jackass if that just turns out to be an up post i had no idea this whole time right. but the ball right. literally did stop there so i'm gonna assume it's a magnet that was remember when jurassic park images first were shown and everyone's like there's magnets in the outlet and everyone's like those are posts that <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah. like um the comet jump shot is that satisfying so is that the uh, are you talking about the Devil's Dare one? Is that, is that the, the one? one it kind of with the target up it, top. Yeah, it jumps up and then it come. It sort of flaps up and then it comes out. Yeah, front. no, I, I can't really say that that's a satisfying shot. That's the one where I feel like if they would have put a magnet on there or something, like can you imagine like a hurry up on there? It goes up the ramp, magnet catches it, maybe it spits out another ball, and you got to hit that down for a two ball multi ball or something like that. Anything because right right now it just hits the target, plops down just kind of trickles out from underneath the ramp. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess that might be exciting for somebody, but no, it doesn't seem to jump far enough. And, you know, I, again, and it's, we're looking at this game in a vacuum. I look at it like, well, Houdini had a ball that fired all the way across the play field. Damn. Like, yeah, where's that kind of shot? <laughs> it's not in Raza. I'll tell you that right now. It's just, it's just not there. And it's just, it's like we talked about earlier. It's to me, it's a bunch of jabs and no knockout punch. You know, the, the game, like, I'm not going to say like the game is just a total clunker that it's just terrible. You can't play, you know, nothing like that. Like there's value in there. I mean, it's, it is, it's a quality, it's a quality pinball machine. It's going to be, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's a homebrew or anything like that. But at the same time, when we're comparing it to, other pens that have been released recently in the past couple of years, it just, it feels like something's lacking. And, you know, just as I said earlier, I, I could chalk that up to maybe it's a lack of light show. Maybe it's a lack of sound, but if I'm looking at it strictly just from I'm playing this, I have AirPods in, I'm listening to music anyways, I'm zoned in on what shot will lead to what I found myself just mostly, you know, trapping up and just saying, okay, I'm going to hit one shot at a time. And right. again, you know, chopping chopping wood isn't fun. Right. You know, it, it's just it's just not. Sometimes, as a tournament player, it's necessary. As somebody that's playing for fun, I don't know too many people that want to spend their Friday or Saturday night trapping up a ball and just hitting a target over and over and over again yeah, without no, any flow. No, I don't like, know. Like, well, I mean, the game's called the Hobbit, the chopping wood part. <laughs> um. All right, well, uh, Travis, this has been great. So I, I think we both agree that. 
the feedback for the game has been pretty consistent. People are having fun, but there's work to be done. It, it lacks that one wow sort of, oh my God, magical mechanism that sort of makes the whole adventure land experience come to life in a in, in a spectacular fashion. We don't know what the code is. We don't know what the full deep root package is. We don't know what the light show is. We don't know if that stuff, right, will be able to salvage or just not salvage, but just add the missing magic this game needs, which ironically is the main reason people go to a J-pop game is for the magic. Um, so they have six months, though. So are you excited, right. Travis, to see what they do over the next six months to get to that final package? Yeah, absolutely. Because just like you said, there's a lot of unknown variables right now. I mean, there is. And so they have several months to get it right. And I hope they do get it right. I hope they produce something that just knocks it out of the park that changes the game. I really do. Because if they do that again, everybody else across, you know, all the pinball, they're going to have to do the same thing. All other manufacturers, all other companies, they're going to have to do the same thing. And that's, that's why I like competition breeds competition. Right. So well, I want them to be competitive. Well, and here's a crazy thing. Even if Robert is just successful on game one of giving us a play field that can't be dimpled and will never crack, even just that, right, that innovation alone would that's a be win. A, it's a win because it would pressure yeah. no one would no one would want to buy a game with an inferior play field and I, I you know I think that he keeps saying he's got it see I would have done that I would have come out at Houston and at least brought your here's what I don't get why not at least put your play field into the game because it's not like you're revealing your secrets of how you made the play field <laughs> It's, yeah, that's. I don't. It, it's curious. It's all curious of it just because, seems like promises without delivery dates. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I did forget to mention that earlier. One of the first things we did was look at the playfield and see what it looks like, and we noticed off the bat dimples off the bat. <laughs> so we were like, "Well, oh crap! What happened to the playfield that could take a hammer or well, sledgehammer it's, to it's it?" It's Mirko. It's not even <laughs> yeah, there. Exactly. Exactly. So and, that was surprising. I. I don't I don't have the answer for that. I don't know why yeah. they would do something like that. Well, I, I I think that Houston became more about getting his team to to finish something enough. And I think Robert has been doing this now for over 2 years and even in his voice I can hear he just wants to get these people to finish lines, pencils down, we need to be done, we need to get into manufacturing because that is actually you know, if we're struggling to get to a, a prototype game, that's a lot of fun. The real, you know, it's kind of like the end of the Two Towers movie in Lord of the Rings, where we're like, yeah, we just won Helm, we got out of Helm's Deep, but that's not the real battle. The real battle begins now, and that is manufacturing, and, and that right. is that's why I'm like a little nervous because I'm like, well, that's the real battle, and it's taken over two years to get John's game to this point, and we're not even talking about. This game is awesome. Now, how do we manufacture it? It's like, well, there's work to be done in the game. And then six yeah. months. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like Those months are going to go by real fast, especially nobody really wants to work during the holidays. It, it comes up quickly. It comes well, up quickly. Well, that's the other thing that was, it was actually surprising. Uh, you know, when Robert was talking to you just the other day, when he mentioned that sometimes, I forget his exact wording, so I don't want to misquote him, but when he was talking about lack of passion, at times 
And, you know, that was a little concerning. I mean, it happens to all of us when we're, you know, doing our careers, doing our jobs and we're working. Sometimes we do tend to lose a little bit of passion here and there. What's concerning about that is, though, is that nothing has been produced for consumption yet. Nothing's for the consumer. So if the head person is already questioning their passion at times or saying that they might be losing it sometimes, I'm just like, you know, it's. I don't know how that works when you're working against deadlines that they've basically self-imposed. Right. And you know, what, I mean, what, what concerned me too is in, in my industry and in my field of coming up with like fun ideas. And I only lose passion when I, when I stop believing in an idea, when I exactly. have an idea that I love, the passion never fades. And I, I have ideas that I love that I spend years passionately trying to sell into clients and talk about it. And when, when those get executed the right way, it, it, it's like the most rewarding moment in life. And, and, and I hope they find that. I hope Deep Root, you know, pulls through, stick, you know, sticks with it. I, I just I, I just have this sense that this is cleaning out the baggage of J-pop versus what Robert's dreams are for pinball. I, I, I really feel there's like a clash going on that we're just witnessing uh, because he has to start getting stuff out there because of what they said. Right. So, I mean, in your opinion, if let's say let's fast forward to February, right? They're about a month out. It doesn't seem like that they're going to be able to put the package out that they intended on doing. If you're in their shoes, do you go ahead and just hold up on it and you say, wait, we're going to hold off again and wait some more? Yeah, it's it's one of these things where with no pre-order money and no customers banging on your door you might as well but but here's the here's the here's the issue i mean they, you've already revealed something so if you do the more you delay the more you will rise like raise expectations that what's going to come is going to you know significantly blow away what you what you've shown um I, you know right and i i, I feel like too this game, this Raza game, I know he keeps saying it, Robert keeps saying it, but I feel like that this may not be an indication of what Deep Root's vision truly is. Because just like we talked about, this pen, this this design is several years old. Yeah, but the only know, the only person who can show us that is 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 him and them. Like it's no nobody made him put Raza first. Nobody made him hire J Pop. Nobody that was all their strategic moves from the beginning. Um, exactly. I don't. I don't know. I I think people are now collectively as a community i i think the mystery's kind of gone right now and i and i don't think they're going to be able to get back that level of like you know bold brash like mystique that they had surrounding it it's it's kind of like when Ivan Drago just gets cut, it's like it's just, they're just they're <laughs> yep. just men over there trying to make a pinball machine, and they can be defeated. And 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 what's sad is they they can defeat themselves, which is what's what's happened. I think over the last, they're, they're, you know what I'm saying? They just they yeah. said they're the champions of pinball before they were. They showed a game that is clearly not the best champion game out there right now in fact there's many games out there right now that are, are far superior design than that game so then you lose you lose the battle you said you already won so they've got some work to do to make sure this full package um you know starts to gain some momentum for them because 
I I don't think it, it was it was like a like hyper successful. They successful in getting feedback, yes. Successful in winning over the public and the community, no. No, and and at the same time too, it's also concerning that I think you said the first two or three offerings that they're going to give are original IPs, correct? Yeah, that I they're mean, not I, even licensed themes. Yeah, I mean that's. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like each designer is is doing an original game first. Right. So we could, theoretically, we could go until the end of 2020 before we even see a licensed theme from Deeper. We could even go into 2021. Yeah. Before no. we see something like that. Look, and Stern's not going to stop. I always say this to people. I mean, Stern is, Stern, the, Stern is just going to keep getting better. Stern is smart. They, year after year, They've listened to the feedback and they've incorporated what people want. And the next big thing to come for them are the big wow mechs and the internet connection and more great IPs. And I I wouldn't want to go up against them with an original title without anything as spectacular that doesn't flow as well. You know, it just starts to be like, then why bother? If you, you know, but again, I just think some of this is their marketing strategy. If, if deep root wants to make high end games that are very limited from J pop. Cool. But just say that like we're only making, imagine if Robert tomorrow said we're making only a hundred Razas, they'd sell out. Even if it doesn't matter what he shows in March, they'd sell out tomorrow. If you open up the order books, but I just Absolutely. don't know. They have a plan. Um, but they, they, they need to get smart with how they launch these games. And, and I think this, this is, this is a learning for them. I, I know that they didn't, they did not want to show in Houston. This feels like they, it's just, there were internal pressures to get people aligned on getting a game somewhat done. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, they may have just felt like they just needed to show something, yeah. anything. And, you know, I think at the same time too, that they were counting on. I mean, it, it could be, you know, a result of just in-house bias too. Everybody in-house could think, hey, this is a great game. This is this, this is that. And they're like, okay, let's roll it out. I mean, that's that's entirely possible. Right. And we, again, have, we have no idea the morale and the attitude internally over there, right? So, I mean, No, Robert- we don't. But again, if he's saying that he's questioning his passion at times, I mean, if he's the leader of the group and the leader's showing cracks, I mean, that's that's... If, if I'm an employee there, I'm kind of scared right now. I'm kind of wondering, okay, where are we going from here? Right. What, what's right. the plan? But, you know, again, I hope that they have success. I yeah. really do. Well, you and me both, and, and, and Robert knows this. I, I, I want them to figure this stuff out. I think they can. I think they just need to really I, – I just again, I think they really need to look at these J-pop titles for what they are and not let – j-pop dragged down another company i just read it's kind of like the way i just feel like it's like such a weird thing that he keeps getting all these chances and we keep making all these excuses and maybe let him have his little art you know his artsy fartsy games but if you really want to break through you need to start looking at pat lawler's and keith elwin's and eric's and scott denise's and you need you need to understand like the the designer and the talent of the designer are so important versus like innovations and i go through this in my career too the the ultimate innovation is an artistic person and you'll never beat a a human being's creativity with innovation you'll never beat it and you got to have the right people and you're not going to win with just like 
innovating. You need to win with like a leader who's creative, who knows how to like build a great pinball machine. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe with their 21 ideas or their 21 plan or whatever it was, maybe there's, there's a hit somewhere in there that we don't know about that they haven't shown. But I don't know at the same time, if, if I was in their shoes with as much money as I'm burning through, I'm probably backing up the money truck to Elwin's house. And I'm going to figure out how to get him to be a free agent pretty quick. Yeah. I but mean, I, I, I've always felt this way too, about these guys. Like if you're, you know, Elwin or an artist or a designer or a coder, the, the company that will most likely get your game out will be stern. I mean, I always feel like it's gotta yep. be frustrating working at Jersey Jack and waiting years and you know, and you uh, one game every 18 months, at least with stern, you're going to, your game's going to be made by the people who know how to make it and can make it quick, you know, quickly and in a timely manner. And at least it becomes part of the real world. It doesn't just end up on a cutting room floor. Oh, absolutely. Consistency is going to build loyalty. At yeah. the end of the day, that's what's going to happen. It's going to build loyalty. And that's what Stern's done a great job of. Yeah. We really have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Travis, thank you so much, buddy, for taking a little over an hour. This has been a great talk. It goes by quickly, right? I always tell people, like, when you, when you jump on the Canada interview train, the hour flies by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it does easily, but this is... Uh... This was a great combo. I was glad to finally get to chat with somebody that's uh, that's pretty passionate about pinball. Thank you, thank you. And we'll we'll do this again soon. I'm I'm, I'm I, I I it's good to have a, a good player on my interview roster. And I'm not, I'm not knocking you, Derek, but you know, Derek, you just like the nudge of the machine, and that's about it. And I love you, Derek. I know you listen. He's probably God damn. You said I I, I, like, I love everything, but yeah, you kind of do, Derek. Uh, anyway. Um, thank you, Travis. I really appreciate the time. No, that's no problem, man. I appreciate it too. And if you see my reflection in the snow-covered hills, well, a landslide will bring you down.